Hello, my name is Carl Lloydhauser. I am the senior pastor of Grace Community Church, and I am so excited that you are with us on this podcast. We also want you to get connected in a church family. If you don't have a local church, check us out at gracemontrose.org. We want to make sure that you have an opportunity to grow and connect with God. But we pray that these next 25, 30 minutes that you spend with us are powerful, that God meets you and speaks to you because He loves you so much. Do you all remember the hype behind the Krispy Kreme donut? When it was like really getting going and they were building those establishments all over the U.S. I'm kind of embarrassed to tell you this. But I got sucked into the hype, and I waited in line because they were opening a store near where I lived. And so my friends and I piled into a van, and would you believe it? I waited in line for three hours for a donut. (laughs) Have you ever done anything like that? Have you ever, like, got sucked into the hype, and you're like, I got to try this. Everybody's raving about it. I got to see what this is all about. I don't want to be left out. Do you ever camp out on sidewalks to get the latest iPhone? That's not my thing. I'm not really a concert goer either, but I guess a donut is worth it to me. (laughs) But our culture puts a lot of a a lot of uh, effort into being considered an an insider and being in the know of what's the latest and greatest. I heard that the Prince of England yesterday was crowned king, and I'm wondering how long people were willing to wait to line the sidewalks and be in the presence of the monarchy of Britain. We We do put a lot of pressure on ourselves and a lot of value in being considered an insider. And isn't it so good that God lets us be insiders and we don't have to wait in long lines And we don't have to try really hard. We just get to be. We just get to be with him and be in his presence. And like Ronell said, we're starting this new series called Temples and Tabernacles. And I was asked to give you a sermon that depicts the symbolism of the tabernacle. And I know some of you are like, wow, one sermon? And I'm like, wow, yeah. (laughs) But we're going to go real fast. We could spend weeks on this. But it's just so, so good how God provides a way for us to be an insider, to be in his presence. Because it's not something that we should ever take lightly. Our sin, back from the beginning, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they were separated from God without his presence. He cast them out of his presence because he is so, so holy. But the really good news about our loving God is that he has always made a way for us to be insiders. He always makes a way for us to come back to him. The tabernacle was his way to do that for his people after they came out from under the slavery in Egypt under Pharaoh and they escaped through the Red Sea. They're in the wilderness with Moses and God called Moses up on the mountain and he gave him some plans and the design for this movable tent. That's what the tabernacle is. It's a movable tent that contained everything that God's people needed for worship. Every detail, every, every thread, every sliver of wood, every metal shaving that went into the design of this tent was ordained by God. And it's all meant to show us how amazingly awesome his presence is and how we should be holding it with reverence. It was a beautiful, beautiful design, the tapestries and the wood and the gold. But did you know it was incomplete 
and it was imperfect because it was man-made. Yes, he gave us the design for it. He told them how to do it. And the rituals all around it, there's chapter after chapter about it. But it wasn't his complete plan. It was incomplete. Exodus 25, 8 through 9, we'll see what he said to Moses on the mountain. You can go there with me. Then have them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. Yes, it was all ordained and designed by God to show the power, the reverence of his presence, but also to stir up the need for the complete and the perfect that would come in our Savior Jesus. That tent, as amazing as it was, and we're going to go through all the furniture and a little bit of the design today, but it's made for them 3,500 years ago to need a Savior, and it's made for us to look back on and realize how Jesus fulfilled all of it. And it's really, really beautiful, the evidence that God gives us throughout the whole Old Testament of his desire to stay with his people. It's also a glimpse of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, of how God comes to live in us, and how we are now the more perfect tabernacle. These scriptures are rich with treasures. And like I said, it's a lot of information. And you can go back to Exodus and Leviticus, find it, study it. It's beautiful. And it all points to the cross. It's so complete in Jesus. Did you know that the creation story took two chapters? For all of matter, the entire universe, universe every star, every planet, everything in our material world created designed meticulously, beautifully by God, and he explains it in two chapters. Eleven chapters he uses to explain the tabernacle and its furnishings. Isn't that amazing? It's because he wants us to know we have access to him, but it's on his terms. It can't be taken lightly to have the presence of God among us. And also to show us exactly how much we need his help. There's a lot of symbolism that I'm going to go over today. But I want you to take a look first at what it may have looked like in the middle of a camp. This is a video showing what it may have looked like to have that tent, that movable tent there in the middle of the Israelite camp. God commanded them to put it there in the center of the 12 tribes. He wanted it right there in the middle of camp to be right there among them. Moses was given specific instructions on the mountain, and once it was completed, it says that the glory of the Lord came down and filled the Holy of Holies, and you could see the evidence of God's glory in that pillar of cloud there, that he came and he dwelled there in that innermost room in that tent. There was a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Because God wanted to show his people his sovereignty of when they should get up and move. And he did that because the cloud would lift and they would follow it to their next location. Or the pillar of fire would move and show them where to go. There's symbolism even in that. The location of the tabernacle. Because 
God is meant to be at the center of our existence. And we are to look to him for moving and having our being and existing, looking to him for guidance. But if you'll notice in this picture, there's a fence. Because sin has a consequence. Like I said, since Eden, we've been separated from God. And this fence outside, around that courtyard, around the tabernacle, is meant to show us that and to show God's people then that you can't just go into God's presence. He's incredibly holy, and he cannot be with us because we are imperfect. The consequence is a barrier between us and God. God ordained rituals so people could approach him. They could have access to him. And ultimately and completely through Jesus. Go with me to Hebrews 10. We're going to spend a lot of time in this scripture. So put your thumb in it because we're going to come back to it quite a bit. This is Hebrews 10, 19 through 23. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened us up for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we professed for he who promised is faithful. You see, God has always meant for us to be with him, with confidence. He's always been faithful to make a way. This next video shows what you would encounter if you were so privileged to go within that fence around. By the way, that fence is seven and a half feet high. Most humans can't see over the top of that, right? It's a barrier to God's presence meant to show us his reverence. But this is the first piece of furniture you encounter, would encounter if you were a Hebrew male and you were bringing an offering to the priests because only Hebrews, males, and priests could go inside. This is what's called the brazen altar. It's seven and a half feet long, seven and a half feet wide, four and a half feet high. In order to go through that curtain, you had to bring an offering with you. Much of the time, that was a live animal. On the Day of Atonement, your family had to bring livestock to the tabernacle for an offering, to the brazen altar. You would meet a priest there, but it wouldn't be you necessarily. It would be the leader of your family. So your grandfather, your father, your husband, maybe you yourself, if you were the patriarch of your family, would bring your very best goat, ram, there to offer to God. This place was gruesome. Like I said, a privilege to start to approach God and go through that gate, but then you're stopped by this altar with a really violent scene. This is where those animals were slain and offered on a fire. God wants us to know that there's consequence for our sin and it's death. Can you picture the scene? Your grandfather gets your very best goat from your herd. And he's bringing it over to the tent. He's approaching the fence and the goat is resisting because it smells blood. It's not a pretty place. 
Even if you couldn't go inside, you could smell the burning of flesh and bone. It's brutal. And it's all meant to show us that we cannot begin to approach God's presence without sacrifice. It costs something because we are broken and sinful. It's so, so humbling to think about how we now don't have to do that. We're meant to look back on it and be grateful. We don't have to bring livestock. We don't have to go to the tabernacle to access God's presence. Think about what we don't have to do because Jesus did it for us. Hebrews 7, 26 through 27. Such a high priest meets our need, one who is holy, blameless, pure, set apart from sinners, exalted above the heavens. Unlike the other priests, he does not need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. He sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. See, the priests had to offer sacrifices over and over again, year in, year out. They were all imperfect, incomplete. They had to keep going there, keep offering sacrifices for the people, for themselves and for the people. And this passage tells us that Jesus took care of it. He's our high priest and he's also our perfect sacrifice. Once for all. This next video shows what you would encounter if you were a priest and you got to go beyond the altar. Beyond the altar, this was the bronze laver. This is where priests could wash their hands and feet. They had to go through rituals of cleansing. When they were ordained and starting to become a priest, they had to wash their entire body. But it's meant to show us that nothing impure can can approach the presence of God. Nothing impure can be in God's presence. But we are washed. It's a picture of our cleansing and our forgiveness because of Jesus' sacrifice. The altar foreshadowed Jesus' sacrifice. The laver foreshadows our cleansing, our forgiveness, our baptism. We are cleansed and forgiven because of the sacrifice that Jesus made. We can approach God because we are cleansed and forgiven. Hebrews 10.22, I know we've already read it, but it takes on new meaning if you... Look at what we've already discussed. 10.22, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Do you see the symbolism, the tabernacle that we can look back on? What do we do with this? Hebrews tells us, go confidently. Don't take it for granted, but also don't let it be wasted. And sometimes we let our confidence shrivel and we think we're not good enough or that sin was far too great that I committed. And who are we to say that Jesus' sacrifice was not enough? Who are we to say that we're not forgiven and cleansed when we are and Jesus died once for all? Yes, even that Even that sin that you hold with shame, he says, be cleansed, come confidently to me. Let go of it. Because our cleansing comes from confession and repentance. Confess it to him and then turn away from it. 
He's meant to be held with reverence, but he's also not inaccessible. And also, church, we are part of something so much greater. When you look at this labor and you think about your baptism, do you see how your baptism is a completion of something that was established 3,500 years ago? Isn't that beautiful how God knits us all together across all time? And that symbolism now reflects in us when we are obedient and we're baptized and we show how we're cleansed and forgiven. It's so incredible. And we can have access to go into his holy place. This next video shows the curtain, the first curtain that would take you into that very first room, which is the holy place. Again, only priests could enter here because the cur curtains separated. Nobody could even see inside except priests. The tabernacle walls in here were covered in gold. It was really beautiful. The tapestry curtain was incredibly beautiful, so ornate. The priests would conduct rituals in here meant to worship and honor God. This room is a picture of the church, not the building, but us, together. We are a picture of this room because of Jesus' sacrifice. The altar shows us because of our cleansing. The labor shows us. Now we can go inside. We can go inside and be part of his kingdom and his church. Isn't it beautiful? And we get to serve there, here, in his church. The priests, this was an incredible privilege to be able to go into the holy place. Not all of them even got to go in there. Some of them had to stay at the altar and offer the sacrifices and tend to all that. Some of them didn't even get their turn to go in. But Jesus says, come inside. I've cleansed you. Come inside. You are part of this church. This room represents the church. We get to honor God here. And I know sometimes it can feel like, oh, will they stop asking me to serve? I don't want to serve in the nursery. It's okay, you can serve in youth ministry. <laughs> and sometimes we think about it like that, but do we understand that it's a privilege? It's a privilege to be here. It's a privilege just to be part of what God is doing in his church. We would, nobody got to go in there. And now God says, come inside. Honor me in here. Serve in here. He calls us out of darkness into the light. Speaking of light, this piece of furniture in that first room, in that holy place, this video shows it, it's called the golden lampstand. This was the only source of light in the room. It was incredibly beautiful, solid gold, it was hammered out of one piece of gold. Some estimate it to have weighed 75 to 100 pounds. So incredibly beautiful. The priest's job was to, to tend to the wicks and to make sure the oil was plentiful and it didn't run out because this flame could never extinguish. It had to keep burning. It's symbolic of the Bible. Psalm 119.105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. The only source of light to show us the way to God, our word, and the Holy Spirit revealing the truth to us. 
It's the light for our path. It shows us Jesus. This lampstand shows us Jesus, the light of the world. Are we honoring God in his church by being in his word? It's an honor and a privilege to carry the light in the truth. But we have to choose to dig in. I've made it a point to try to get in my word almost every morning, and I love it when I'm there with Jesus in the morning and I know, okay, this is what I need to work on. I shouldn't say I love it. I don't love it in the moment. But then throughout my day when he reminds me what he shows me through this light, that is how his word, it lights my path, shows me the way. We couldn't do it without it, church. Get in your word. It's a privilege to have. And such an important part of the church. This next video shows this piece of furniture across from the golden lampstand. This table is called the table of showbread or the bread of the presence. There were 12 loaves here. The priests would put them there and also the priests would eat them there in the room. It was an incredible privilege for the priests to be able to feast in the presence of God. He met them there. He communed with them. He said, come, eat at this table. Be with me in my presence, eating with me. Who do you eat with? Who do you invite over to your house for dinner? Who invites you to their house for dinner? Probably the people you care the most about. God cares so much about us. He invites us to be at his table. This table represents communion in the church. When we get to come together corporately and take the bread and take the juice and remember Jesus' sacrifice, but sit here in his presence, he invites us to his table. It's such a privilege and an honor and such an important part of being in the church, to be with him. The word communion literally means to participate, to be a participant, to be invited to be with God. This is something that most people were never allowed to do, never even allowed to see, only the priests. We're going to take communion later on in the service today. We just need to understand the privilege it is. We can't take it lightly or let it just become common. It's such a privilege to be invited to eat in the presence of God. He invites us because he cares so much for us. And the third very essential part of the church is represented by this piece of furniture. This is called the altar of incense. You show that video. This is where the priests would go morning and evening, and they would light this incense, and it would rise as a sweet-smelling smoke before the presence of God. This table was the closest to the most holy place of all the furniture, and it represents our prayer. We sing about incense rising before God in a lot of our songs. Revelation talks about it. It's an incredible privilege to be able to offer our prayers to God. The high priest had to go into the holy place once a year and sprinkle blood here on the table of incense because this sweet-smelling aroma had to be cleansed. 
Jesus' blood shed on the cross makes our prayers a sweet-smelling aroma before God. He sacrificed so that we can speak to God. He cannot even be near us. He can't listen to us without the cleansing. It's not sweet to him without the blood of Jesus covering our prayers. The smoke would rise on this table all the way up in front of the presence of God, and that's what our prayers do. We're not bothering him, church. He wants to hear from us. He wants to be in communion. He wants to listen to what's on our hearts. He wants to speak with us. He wants us to pour it out before him, even all our junk. And he takes it and he says it's sweet. Man, we can't let that privilege slide. It's so incredible what Christ has done. And prayer is an essential part of the church. Such an important part of that room was that altar of incense. And now prayer, such an important part of what we do as a church. It's an offering to God. So behind the altar of incense was a thick veil, tall. It was separating the the holy place from the most holy place. Only one man got to go through that veil and only one day a year. On the day of atonement, the priest could go in. And the rest of the year, that veil had to be there, showing us that God's presence is meant to be held with respect. But what happened when Jesus died on the cross? Matthew tells us, Matthew tells us that veil was torn in two from top to bottom. That's very significant. Nobody could reach the top of that curtain, and it was incredibly thick, woven tapestry. And when Jesus died, it was torn in two, top to bottom, to show us that Jesus did the work and made a way. He ripped it in two, church, to show us that we now have access into the most holy place that Christ's sacrifice brings us in there, where this one man was only allowed to go one day a year. I wonder if we sat down today with the high priest and we asked him about the process to go into that room on the Day of Atonement one day a year. And he'd probably describe it for us of how he was trembling and racking his brain to make sure that every ritual and every piece of sacrifice was done just according to how God said it needed to be done. Because if he went in there incorrectly, if he even started in there incorrectly, he would die. He would die. So do you understand the picture that the tabernacle is giving us for Christ's death to finish the work, top to bottom? Now we get to be with God. How incredible. The high priest couldn't even accidentally see God. It says on the Day of Atonement, when he would go in there, he would fill that room with incense smoke before he went in because he didn't want to accidentally encounter God's glory in that room. Because it would be too much for him. He would die in an instant. But Jesus says, no, I did the work. Go in. 
so incredible. We can't ever let it become ordinary. He's so holy. Do we understand the reverence? But also, not out of reach. Jesus made the way. The priest would bring the blood of goats to enter. Jesus' blood goes with us so we can be in God's presence and we can go in with confidence. This last video, it shows what the high priest might have seen when he went in that room. This is the Ark of the Covenant or the Ark of the Presence. This was covered in pure gold. The lid was called the mercy seat. There's these cherubim with their wings outstretched. And on the Day of Atonement, when the priest would go in there, he would bring the blood and he would sprinkle it there on the mercy seat. And it was meant to cover the people's sin for a year. You see how incomplete it was? He had to keep going in year after year to sprinkle the blood. Once a year, temporarily. But now Jesus is our high priest. Hebrews 9, 11, and 12. Flip over that verse. When Christ came as high priest of the good things that are already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not man-made, that is to say, not a part of this creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption once for all. It's done. Not only when Jesus died did that veil tear in two, but right before he took his last breath, he said, it is finished. And he meant, I am the final sacrifice. No longer do you have to bring goats and calves and rams and pheasants and all the things that you bring to my altar. I am the final sacrifice. It is finished. It is done. And now we have access because of it. He is the permanent seat of mercy where God meets man and his blood covers all sins. Back over. Now we know all the pieces and parts of Hebrews 10, 19 through 23. Let's read this with more conviction now. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, opened up for us through the curtain. That is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we professed, for he who promised is faithful. He who promised is faithful. And now we can go with confidence. First Corinthians tells us now we are the temple. The Holy Spirit lives in us. We are the completion. And it just baffles me that this incredibly ornate design by God was less than perfect, but God would call me worthy of containing his presence 
And when you think about the ritual and the sacrifice and the detail, the incredible respect and honor that those priests had to carry. And I think about my brokenness and I think I would contain, I would be acceptable to God to contain his presence. It's so humbling. But the writer of Hebrews stresses it. Go confidently. Carry his presence. Don't let his sacrifice be wasted on you not thinking that you're good enough. Go with confidence. Carry his presence into the dark world. We are chosen. We are specifically designed. They looked ahead to a Savior. We look back to a Savior who did all of the work, completed it, and said, you now church, you carry my presence. It's incredibly beautiful, so humbling, and the only worthy response is gratitude. The only worthy response is, what else could we do but worship? What else could we do but follow Jesus and give him our life? Because he invites us to carry him. so incredible. And now we're going to move into a time of communion to reflect on what Jesus did, on how he finished the work. And now we get to have communion with God. We get, we're invited into his presence all the time to carry it out into our world, to be light, to bring truth, to offer prayers, And he loves it when we do. But when you take the bread and the juice today, would you just sit with Jesus? Would you just think about the reverence, what he did for you? It can't be taken lightly. It can't become common. I'm going to pray for you, and then you can find tables at the back of the room, here in the front, along the sides. We have a couple songs for you to worship. It's the only appropriate response is to worship and serve. Go with gratitude and confidence. Jesus made the way. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you that we live on this side of the cross. That we get to look back to Jesus' sacrifice and know that you finished it, Lord. You did the work. Lord, I pray that our prayers, our worship would rise before you as a sweet aroma. We have no idea the magnitude of what you did for us to have access. Lord, I pray for confession and repentance today to be sincere and that we would approach you with confidence and carry you out into our world and bring others to worship because you're so worthy. Amen. Thank you so much for being with us. I hope that God spoke to you. We would love to follow up and care for you any way that we can. So come visit us at gracemontrose.org. Say hello. Let us know what we can do to help you grow in him. God bless you.